All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Got your Money Wise guys back inside the Money Wise studio with me for this weekend show. I have my brother Jeff, Joe Rust, and I am your host, Kyle Davidson. For any new listeners to the Money Wise program, Davidson Capital Management is a fee-only registered investment advisor. We're in our 33rd year of business and with offices in San Antonio and Corpus Christi, we have your investment management needs covered throughout Central and South Texas. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at one 800 275 if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the MoneyWise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. Well, as we kick off every weekend's MoneyWise program, I turn it over to my brother Jeff to go into the numbers from Wall Street from last week. So, Jeff, take it away. Okay, in the week just passed, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down about 865 points, or 2.9%. The S&P 500 last week was down about 108 points, or 2.9%. And the NASDAQ last week was down about 292 points, or 2.7%. And we just finished the third quarter of 2022, so let's go into the numbers for the quarter. So the Dow for the uh, third quarter was down 6.7%. The S&P 500 for the third quarter was down 5.3%, and the NASDAQ for the third quarter was down 4.1%. And finally, the year-to-date numbers, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 20.9%. The S&P 500 year-to-date is down 24.8%, and the NASDAQ year-to-date is down 32.4%. Where do we begin? Yeah, where do we begin? Well, we had a Friday, attack of the Fridays, and then that culminated in an attack of the Septembers. That's, September, that's well, September yeah. the last 25 years, the average return of the S&P in September is negative 0.4%. So, so September did not disappoint as far as following its historic trends for the last 25 years of being a negative month. It outperformed. <laughs> It outperformed on the downside. So the whole, so the whole quarter uh, was September. I mean, the, we, we had a we had a really good quarter going into September, and September ruined it. Um, the Dow is now down in bear market territory. The S and P five hundred is right at the door of down twenty five percent without dividends. And the NASDAQ down 32.4%. I believe all three indexes, the Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ, all closed at new closing lows for the year on Friday. So uh, what's an investor to do? What's an investor to do when you have, when you, when you have this going on? I mean, it's, it is a, it's a, it's as difficult an environment to invest in 
in in, in some res- some respects as it was in 2008, but we don't have a systemic issue in terms of the banking system. Uh, what we have is is we have this the the market that is solely and totally and completely and unequivocally focused on a handful of statistics that and it's not a big handful of statistics that are driving the markets day to day what we're one of the things that we saw this week that that should give investors maybe you know a little bit of additional concern is we're having some uh issues in the in the in the markets where we've had such big movements in interest rates in short periods of time that it is causing uh, some up, some upset, uh, how should I put it, uh, very short-term big waves in especially you know, currencies and governments are intervening in those currencies. The British government did this last week. <clears throat> it was just completely crazy. And, well, and we have we have one part of the of the leadership financial leadership at at the government level trying to fight inflation and another part trying to uh cutting taxes and which is well, which let me, is let me, let me talk stuff. about Kyle, let, Kyle, let, well, I'll well, let yeah Kyle. I mean yeah so so what you're talking about is the Bank of England this past week I mean they first come out and say that they're going to be cutting taxes and they were receiving a lot of flack from the IMF or International Monetary Fund like what are you guys doing and we obviously have a new prime minister from a conservative party that came in and took over for Boris Johnson when she was elected so the first thing they come in is okay let's go ahead and Let's cut taxes. And then a few days later, after all of this criticism comes in, they say, oh, by the way, we're going to start quantitative easing again when they're staring down the barrel of double-digit inflation. We're talking double-digit inflation possibly to 16 to 17%. So let's cut taxes and let's do quantitative easing. Are they going to the Joe Biden School of, 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 of Economics? I mean, they must. Because the, the, the Inflation Production Act, which was passed earlier in the year by the Biden administration, I mean, it, it's, it's, it was absolutely insane. So obviously, this caused some interest rates to move uh, based on this decision doing quantitative easing, which you know brought some interest rates down for a while. And we got a little bit of a pop in the market when this was announced. I believe that was on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But we can definitely see that the markets are for the algorithms, they're absolutely connected. When interest rates are moving higher, the stock market sells off. If interest rates start moving lower, we typically see some buying coming in. I mean, that's telltale sign that the computers are driving the market and they're at the wheel. And while the individual investor, they're hanging back. They're hanging back. They, you know, If you haven't already been playing defense and listening to our advice and guidance all year and got more liquid got a smaller allocation to your equities and just been hanging back, then you're kind of at the point now where, in my opinion, we're getting closer to the end of the road of this market coming down. But I know that the market is waiting with bated breath, waiting for the consumer price index number that's going to be coming out in a couple of weeks. We obviously don't have a Fed meeting till November the 2nd. 
but there is definitely an interconnection between how interest rates move and then how the stock market reacts to it. So what you're saying, Kyle, essentially is if you haven't made any moves and you're over over allocated to stocks, you need to hang tight. You know, I mean, there are some things you could do in your portfolio, but if you're listening to the show, it's almost like it's like a lot closer to the bottom. You know, that's not well, how you it, make it, money. Well, it, it, it is, and this is something that we saw in the financial crisis 2008-2009 where a lot of indiv- individual investors did the best they could to weather the storm, and then they just finally got to the point where they couldn't take it anymore, and they sold out and timed it almost perfectly right at the absolute bottom before the market made a turn. But let's pick up this conversation on the other side of the break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the MoneyWise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So if you're just tuning into this weekend's MoneyWise program, just recapping the happenings of Wall Street from this past week. It was the end of the third quarter, uh, September definitely uh, followed its course of the last 25 years of disappointing having a down month. In fact, pretty much September was the reason for the down quarter since we had uh, a very good June, or excuse me, uh, July and August, and September dragging all of the major indexes down between 4 and 6%. Um, all three major indexes and bear market territory with the Dow down 20.9%. But before we went to the break, this, this our first break for this weekend show, we were talking about, you know, what is an investor to do who has, was maybe just tuning into the show for the first time this year, didn't hear our advice and guidance about taking uh, more of a defensive position in their portfolio, getting more liquid, diversifying their portfolio, making sure that it's actively managed, and they're still finding themselves in a 65, 70, 75, 80% allocation to stocks um, at an age where they're maybe less than five years out from retire or retirement or they are retired, what should they be doing? Is it too late? Well, none of us on the show have a crystal ball of where the low is going to be. Um, Have we found the low? I would say if we gathered up uh, all the opinions on Wall Street, high probability greater than 60% would say the low is not in yet. I know Jeff's base case, and and it's been his base case pretty much all year, is 3,400, and that is still holding. Have not reached that level but closing below 3,600 on the S&P, and that's 3,600 points on the S&P on Friday, we're definitely much closer to it. Uh, I know, Joe, you were in the 3,600 camp, so we closed just a few points below that. But as we've always, as we said throughout this year's show, is all of this is going to take time, take time for inflation to start to moderate. It's going to take time for all the intervention that the Fed has done to kind of sink its claws into inflation and start bringing it down. We had another inflation uh, data point that came out on Friday, and that's the core PCE, which historically has been the inflation gauge that the Federal Reserve pays attention to. 
when it comes to determining determining monetary policy, although a few months back they decided to really start focusing more on CPI since that's what all investors feel, what all consumers feel when they go to the grocery store, when they go to the gas pump, when they pay their, their electric bill. But the core PCE came in like the August um, CPI number came in a bit hotter at 4.91%. Now, the previous month, July, core PCE was actually adjusted on Thursday to 4.7. So we did go up about two-tenths of a percent. But with that said, it is still below the core PCE peak, which was hit in February of this year, of 5.42%. So I would say that we're past peak inflation. But just being past peak inflation doesn't mean the Fed can pack up their tools and go home and that their job is done. I think the question you also look at is how entrenched is this and how long of a haul is this going to be? You know, that's also that's that's anybody's guess. That's the Fed's fear fear that it it becomes entrenched. Remember, this is the same group that and, and us included in full disclosure. We we were kind of in the transitory camp, too. Uh. And then obviously that that has changed, but they're very afraid of it becoming entrenched. Uh, going back to kind of the thing, some of the things I was saying in the first in the first segment is there's you know some rumblings of, you know based on what the what the British government did, um, Bank of England, thank you, Kyle, yeah, uh, did in the week just past. That are there other uh, situations that we don't know about? Uh, that are could have uh, temporary systemic risks, and the Fed has to come in and do something. Is there a a long term capital management type situation? Is there a debt crisis in some third world country that we're not aware of? Uh, and and one of the and because of some of these things that have been happening that seem to be one off issues that can cause interest rates to spike one way or the other. We have we have started exiting um, one of our biggest, our actually our biggest winner this year, which is we've been short long maturity interest rates. We've started uh, exiting that investment. We're going to do it um, over a period of time, um, and that money is going to eventually end up going back into bonds. I don't know if if the Fed has to get to to four and a quarter percent, which is still another percent above where we're at right now um that to me that means that that other interest rates have to go higher also but the pattern's been that we have these spikes in rates that lead up to around the meeting and then they the the spikes kind of moderate to trend down and then go and then and then uh start to spike up again any of those spikes are not going to be good for stocks. The other thing we have we have going on here is we've got earnings right around the corner. And though I felt that in many respects that investors got a reprieve from bad earnings news in the second quarter, I'm not so sure that we're going to get a reprieve in the third quarter. And so then you've got to wonder, and I, as you know, a lot of pundits have said, us included to some extent, uh, how much of the bad news has been priced in? How much of the potential for bad earnings news or you know, bringing the numbers down, is that fully priced into the market? We're still seeing stocks getting whacked, 
with bad earnings news. We haven't had Nike. Any, you know, Nike was Nike one on of them. Friday. I was going to. I was going to bring that up. Nike. Nike beat on the top and the bottom, but their inventory, they have so much inventory right yeah, now. Yeah, How long is it going to get inventory. for them to spin that inventory out? And that's mm. we're probably going to see more and more of that as well. And at what cost? And it all came down to their margins. This is exactly what happened to Target earlier this year, is that their earnings numbers were okay. They were fine. They weren't horrible. And the problem was they had so much excess inventory in areas when the consumer shifted their purchasing behavior, and they're like, great, now we've got to cut – the prices of this inventory, which is going to affect our margins. So definitely companies that are in the sales and selling of consumer goods like Nike is, now they've overordered, have this excess inventory, and now everything is going to be on sale, which is great for a consumer and a higher interest or higher inflationary environment to be able to pick up, you know, some pretty good deals. I mean, you still go to the mall across the street from where I live here in San Antonio in every store, it's fifty percent off, sixty percent off. Buy one, get one free. I mean, so there's a lot of good deals as we're coming into the Christmas shopping season. But back to the original point of what is an investor to do if you find yourself overallocated into equities and you have been staying the course through this entire pullback or this entire bear market. Um, you know, that's that's a that's a sixty four thousand dollar question right there. And you have to first look at what your investing time period is. That would be number one. If you're just a couple of years out from retirement or you're looking to retire or you're retired right now, you know, I would definitely look to see how you're allocated on the stock side and the specific asset classes. You know, because because one thing I can tell you about our portfolios is we're really dividing the fence between value growth and core positions, which is growth at a reasonable price. Yeah, Joe. I do want to say something since we're into the into the end of the third quarter. If you're looking at your your, your statements and you look at all right, I'm in a four oh one K. Jeff and I were talking about before the show about having professional managers or target dates. Look at your international exposure. I'm looking at a review right now. They have three very, very well-known international stock funds, and every one of them is down more than the S&P. So do you think going forward, what is Europe going to look like? What is Asia going to look like? What is, you know, what are the BRIC, what's the BRIC going to look like, which is Brazil, Russia, India, China? And what I'm getting at is that maybe one area where you can adjust a little bit, and if you're way overweight international, maybe scale that back a little bit. Well, but, we we know any listener that's working with the legacy distribution system that uses Monte Carlo analysis and and modern portfolio theory, and they set your allocation and forget it based on a questionnaire you filled out at the beginning of the relationship, you're probably going to be seeing north of 10 15% international and emerging market exposure that's absolutely getting walloped. And we haven't owned international national or emerging markets at Davidson Capital Management for several years now. And I feel that the markets and the economies outside the United States have a little bit uh, tougher road to hoe in the next 12 to 18 months. So, you know, if you find yourself with those high allocations and you're kind of, you know, I would say that uh, average bear market lasts 14 months on average. We're coming up into month number 10. So I'd say we're getting kind of closer to the bottom to the beginning of it. So if your time period is still a longer time period, you might just continue to grin and bear it and weather the storm, but you need to make sure that your allocations within the equity side of your portfolio is appropriately balanced between growth and value. 
as we get into the end of 2022, into 2023, because all of this, as we've been saying on this program, is going to take time to work itself out. So you have to be patient and emotionally in charge. So with that, let's take another commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the MoneyWise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps, or you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So if you're just tuning in this weekend's MoneyWise program, continuing to recap Wall Street, uh, having a conversation in the last segment about investors finding themselves kind of much deeper in the hole because they have not uh, played defense. They have not reallocated. They're possibly working with someone in the legacy distribution system that's more of a relationship manager and a set-it-and-forget-it type advisor, which obviously is the complete opposite of what we are here at Davidson Capital Management. But during commercial break, as longtime listeners of the show know, Jeff, my brother Jeff, my loving brother Jeff, wants to come back and he wants to start something because he's got some points to make about the conversations we had in the last segment. So take it away, Jeff. So just like Kyle said, the vast majority of the financial services system economy is not equipped to manage in this kind of environment. This is not what they do. The vast majority of the financial services industry operates in a passive, as a passive investment strategy. They do not operate in active investment strategies. That's their business model. Or outside the box thinking. Yes. So their business model is we understand that markets are going to go up at least on average three quarters of the time. Every 10 years, we're going to lose a ton of money for our clients because we're not going to really make any changes to the portfolio because we're going to set up this portfolio based on a computer that's driven by responses from a client that based on their level of risk that they're willing to take in their portfolio. And it's going to have the same things in it every single time. It's always going to have international exposure. It's always going to have emerging markets exposure. It's going to have some exposure to bonds. It's going to have some exposure to various asset classes of stocks. And when you look at it year over year over year, it's not going to change. It's not going to change until the client fills out a new questionnaire and the advisor says, oh, well, it looks like your risk tolerance have changed. We need to change your portfolio. So I, I cha- I've challenged our listeners on this radio program at various times over the last 15 years because we're co- we're going to be coming up here on an anniversary here pretty soon. Actually, 15 years. It's been it's been almost 17 years. It'll be 17 years in November since we started the show. And I've challenged our listeners from time to time to go out and get out their statements and compare them over time and see how your portfolio allocation has changed. 
And so I, I challenged a, a, a new 401k prospect to do that. And he was in their managed program. Because all these 401ks now, you know, they got to make an extra buck. And so they, <laughs> they tease their 401k participants by saying, well, we will, we will asset allocate amongst your choices and manage your portfolio. Now, manage in giant air quotes. And, and I'm going to put that in, in big old air quotes. Thank you very much, Kyle. And so I asked, I said, you want you to go back and see what your asset allocation has done over the last three years through COVID and through through year-to-date 2022. And he came and he saw me. He said, you know what, Jeff, I did that. And guess what he said? It hadn't changed very much. And I said, you know what? I'm not very surprised at all. And you're paying these folks 30 basis points, 35 basis points. That's a third of a percent on average to do nothing. And you're international, you're in emerging markets, you're in this, you're in that, you're in bonds, and you're down 21% this year. So you paid them money to do nothing. In the year in which they had to do something, you've got to do something. You still own bond funds? Ladies and gentlemen, if you still have an advisor that owns bond funds, you should have fired them a long time ago. You still have international funds. You should have fired the guy a long time ago, the guy or gal. If we have any listeners that are doing the the 401k managed portfolio, I challenge you to go out and see how much your asset allocation has changed. If it hasn't changed, they're not doing anything, so why pay them? And if you're over 59 and a half, why have your money in your 401k anyway? You should have long since done an in-service distribution and actually hired somebody to manage it. Now, for the rest of the legacy distribution system, whose name shall remain nameless, but we all know who they are, <laughs> in, a, in the next six months, there's going to be folks calling us that say, Jeff, Kyle, Joe, I lost 30% last year. I lost 35% last year. The same conversations we were having in 2009 with folks. And when they called and they they told how much money they lost, I knew exactly what happened. No one was managing the asset allocation, and they were in the wrong asset classes. Asset classes, yeah. I mean, it's and and you paid how much for management? And there's no management occurring because the legacy distribution system is not equipped for active management. They're not equipped. They know that in, in years like this, they're willing to lose a certain amount of clients so they can continue to do what they've been doing, which is nothing. The same cookie-cutter portfolios that they've had for years. And now, that we've seen every, for years, and we've seen for years during our reviews. Everyone's all fine and dandy and big smiles in, 20, in 2019 and 2020 and 2021. Just as they were in, 20, in the years leading up to the financial crisis, you know everybody. You know everybody's got big smiles. No one, you know, everything's great. You know, I'm just going to keep on making money. You get complacent. That's you know, years of success breeds complacency. But not complacency. only the advi- but not even the not only the advisor Jeff, but the client as well. And we've yeah, talked about all the shows. Yeah, but but I don't understand. I if someone has hired a prof- believe that they've hired somebody to manage their money, 
I put 75% of the, of, of the responsibility on the person that needs to be making the decisions and 25% on the person making the payments to the person that should be making the decisions. Sure. You know, so I, I don't, I don't want to throw the owner of the account under the bus because they had, they had certain expectations because we heard this over and over in 09. Well, I thought somebody was managing my account. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought somebody was doing it. So this is one of those years where the, the legacy distribution system is like, yeah, we're going to lose a few clients because, you know, our passive investment strategies just don't work in these kind of markets. That's not what we do here. Well, and so yeah. if you're someone if you're someone who was planning on retiring this year and you've taken a 30% hit to your portfolio, you may not could- be retiring. That could be six years of distributions. That could be six years of distributions right there, you know. And, 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 you know, one thing I did want to, you know, specify as far as the bond funds are concerned. Yeah, we own some bond funds here at Davidson Capital Management across all of our portfolios, but it's what our bond funds do differently that the legacy distribution bond funds don't do, like our floating rate security. And these are the ETFs. Income, these are not, these yes, are not mutual funds. They're not mutual funds, but they're exchange-traded funds. But our floating rate security pays more income as interest rates go up. Our short position on the 7- to 10-year Treasury, which we put in place day one of the new year and added to it throughout the year, and we're now starting to slowly take profits from, yes, profits from, and the individual treasury securities that we've been adding across the board in every single client's portfolio. I I do want to hit on something because I have been part of the legacy distribution system before. And remember this, you're just a number. How much individuality and customization do you going to get if you're just one piece of a humongous, uh, you know, your organization, organization, tiny cog. And and, and, I, and and some of these advisors are restricted in what they can do and what allocations they can use. So their their hands sometimes are tied based on what the firm protocol is. Go ahead, Jeff. Well, but but in the, in the in these days and times, is it not true, Joe? Maybe compared to what it was twenty years ago, is that the 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 folks now are just farming the money out. It's more packed to others, and they're not really concentrating at all on what's happening with whoever they've they've. Farm it out because it's because it's about it's about uh, asset gathering. It's not about uh, asset growth when when they're when the market gives you the opportunity for asset growth and asset preservation, like we have this year. When you, when you when you not when you don't have the kind of environment to get growth, you got to preserve. They're farming it out. You know, I've already told you about an, an example about a month ago where the money got farmed out to another another advisor. Who is? I can't imagine what they're down now if they're still doing the same things. Um, it's just and and the and the brokers like well you know that's they're you know got to have a long term view and you know these guys are great and you know you just but, you got to give it some time thing. you know <laughs> this like, case, hold on hold on hold right. on hold on let me just say this one thing here's the thing about the legacy distribution system charge high fees spend as let as as little money as you can. To maintain the relationship, and there's a pot of gold for that firm at the end of the rainbow. Charge as much, do as least amount of work as possible, collect all the fees. And like Jeff said, 
lose some clients when we have years like this. Cost of doing business. Cost of doing business. Well, let's let's take a break, Joe. We'll pick up your point on the other side of the break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-275. 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the MoneyWise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps, or you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So in the second half of the first hour of this weekend's MoneyWise program, we're talking and really talking more about the legacy distribution system. And these are the same, we're, we're talking about topics of and subject matters of the same things that we see time in and time out time in time and again time and again when we do these portfolio reviews and analysis and i mean we've been doing these for decades now and we're constantly seeing the same theme and so you know the one point of this program is to educate to educate investors to pull out your statements to know what you own are any changes being made is there any active management are you actually receiving management for what you're paying in fees and what fees are you paying? So I know before we went to this last break, Joe, you wanted to make a point, but then during the break, Jeff mentioned that he had a question for Joe. So I don't know who wants to go first. Go, go ahead, it, Jeff. Jeff. No, you go. All right. I, the question I want to ask you, Joe, is what I just said in the previous segment about the legacy distribution really me being more geared towards their business model is geared towards passive investing. Is that is that fair? I, I would say a couple of things, and it's not across the board, but it's geared towards passive investing. It's geared towards gathering assets and, and managing the managers, and they're all different. Now, in the RIA registered investment advisor space, I was asking a representative for a well-known mutual fund company. I said, all right, how many registered investment advisor firms do you work with that actually do their own portfolios? He said over 400. How many of them actually pick their own stocks? He said less than 10%, which we do. My other question was how many of them actually buy their own individual bonds? And I bet you the number's about the same. And then how many of them actually will come up with an idea and think outside the box where they're shorting a treasury at the beginning of the year because they know with 100% certainty, 100%, it was the easiest play we've made in a while, is that rates are going to go up, so how are we going to help protect our clients on the downside? I, but I don't know if that answered your question, Jeff, or not. Well, so well, well I, I want to expand. I do want to expand on that because, you know, again, I, not to try to throw the legacy distribution system under the bus, but, I mean, this we're providing the education, and we call it like it is, and any longtime listener of the show knows we hit you between the eyes with the truth as we see it because we've been in the trenches now for 33 years and doing portfolio reviews, you know, each and every week and seeing this 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 stuff. The, the, the things that we have seen transition, particularly in the registered investment advisory space, is a lot of the newer RIA firms, they were former brokers. They break away from the bigger firm. They hang their own shingle, but they still operate 
in the same system where they're gathering the assets, they're managing the relationship, and they're shipping the assets off to somebody else to manage. And like I'd mentioned over a month ago, I met with a prospective client in my office in San Antonio, and the best first question I've ever received in a meeting, do y'all manage the money in-house? I said, we absolutely do. One of the best questions I've ever gotten right out of the shoot. That was the question that he'd asked. And so these questions I don't think are asked enough. And so this is very important for an investor. You know, investors want to have a relationship with the actual decision maker. And some of these folks out there make you think and feel like they're actually making the decisions when they're really not. They're really not. And then you also, you know, what are you paying for this totality of this relationship? Going back to Jeff's um, uh, example from over a month ago with a prospective client who found out that he was paying much more than what he thought he was. Yeah, I, I, I want to directly really answer Jeff's question about legacy distribution and, and are they being more passive? Are they passive managers? In my opinion, I think a lot of them are, but it's pretty easy. Go back and pull your last two to three years of the statements. Challenge yourself. Now, yes, some of them might use index funds. Some of them might use more of a passive style. But if they're actually actually actively managing the asset classes around and they're changing those percentages and you can actively see that and you're paying a fee, all right, I would say that's not exactly passive. They might be using index funds, which are passive, but they are tactically managing the asset allocations or those index funds. All right, but you, it's up to you. Nobody can help yourself more than you, not me, not Kyle, not Jeff, not anybody you're talking to. It's up to you to take some ownership of where you are and review what you're paying and what are you paying and why are you paying it. Um, well, I mean, and, 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 as, and, and as I've always said on this program now going on 17 years, you have to dig deeper. You can't take things for face value. You have to dig deeper. You have to ask the questions. If you don't know the questions to ask, we're happy to provide them for you. And 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 I'm not. And we're not saying that every single person in every major brokerage firm across this country, this is exactly how they operate. I mean, there's definitely some some outliers, but I would say a vast majority of them operate in the style that we have been describing on the second, you know, the second half of the first hour of this program. So. You know, you just have to, to, to know who you're working with, understand the type of an investor you are, whether you want to be making the decisions or you want to work with a professional team that you have a personal relationship with that knows who you are, you have to make those determinations. And that team is making those day-to-day decisions for you because as this market has shown, as all markets in the past, things can change in a blink of an eye. And if you don't have a captain at the helm of your ship, your ship can very easily run aground. We, and we were I can running tell up, you that a lot of portfolios have been running aground this year. We were running over before the show. We were talking about bear market stats and how many we've had in the last 75 years or whatever. There's one thing that's 100% certain. If you're getting ready to retire and you have a 20-year life, uh, maybe 20 life years from retirement, life expectancy, this ain't going to be the last bear market that you see. So you might as well no. prepare yourself now. So No, no, and that's a very good point. It's about keeping your emotions in check. As we've always said, emotions will do more damage to your portfolio than any bear market ever can or will. <clears throat> and remember, the long-term trajectory of the market is up and to the right, meaning going higher. But there are periods of time where the markets go down for an extended period of time. Sometimes they move sideways, like 73, 1973 to 1983. 
But as Jeff said, you know, more than 74% of the time, the markets have a positive year, but it's years like this that tend to wake investors up to what's going on in their portfolio, what their advisor may or may not be doing, or maybe if the investor is doing it themselves, where their strategy has become flawed and they now need professional help and the oversight and management of that, which we've run into that, you know, doing portfolio reviews this year as well. So the first step in the whole process is to gather your statements and take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis at Davidson Capital Management. So we can dig deeper for you and determine your personal situation in your portfolio. And you can always give us a call at 800-275-2162 or send us an email to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. Well, with that, we're coming up to the top of the hour break, so we're going to take the break, go into the news, and when we come back from the news, we'll be diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program and continuing with investor education. So stay tuned, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Money Wise guys will be back after the news. All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We've got my father, John, my brother, Jeff. I'm your host, Kyle Davidson, and we are diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. Now, if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070. Or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the Money Wise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. If you missed the first hour of Money Wise, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past Money Wise programs. You can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage at davidsoncap.com. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. Well, as as we like to utilize every second hour of the Money Wise program going into investor education, and any longtime listeners of the program know that we definitely love our top ten lists. Uh, I guess it's a little bit of an ode to uh, to David Letterman. Uh, But we have a top ten list for this afternoon's show called The Ten Myths of Retirement Planning. And so we'll dive right in with myth number one. And that first myth is you will not need as much money during retirement as you do right now. Now, this, I would say the financial entertainment press, the legacy distribution system for Years and years and years, as long as I've been in the business, which, you know, for me is coming up on 16 years I've been doing this, they have the kind of industry standard that you only need 70 to 80% of what you're currently earning while you're working in retirement to maintain your lifestyle once you are in retirement. And, you know, very honestly, what I try to educate prospective clients uh, that come in here to Davidson Capital Management is that 
we don't abide by that 70 to 80% of your current income in retirement to maintain your lifestyle. In fact, most instances I say you need 95 to 100% of what you're currently earning now, you need to be able to withdraw that same amount of money in retirement from your nest egg in order to maintain your lifestyle. Because the one, I think, variable that the legacy distribution system doesn't uh, calculate, doesn't uh, put into their calculation or account for is the fact that what's the one thing that you have a heck of a lot more of in retirement than you do during your working years? Laser time. That's right. You have a lot more leisure time, so you have more time to travel. If you're into hunting, fishing, golfing, those are not cheap hobbies by any stretch of the imagination. Or now you're getting into new hobbies that take more time and more money. And so, you know, that myth that you don't need as much money in retirement as you do right now, again, I think is a complete myth and it's complete bogus. Do you want to add something, Jeff? Well, Go ahead, Dan. Well, I was going to say also medical expenses. That's the one thing that uh, that's really the X factor, the unknown factor as you get older because that's, that's definitely going up. Well, that's true. We don't know the, the inflationary costs of medical care. Obviously, as you get older, you need more and more attention from healthcare professionals. Uh, but I think something else, Dad, that, that's a big unknown that's out there, and I think um, – I'm not even going out of limb on saying this, but with with the deficits that we currently face and the national debt, I mean, to say that taxes are going to be going down in the future, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. And so I think retirees or folks that are working towards retirement and building their nest egg, that's something that they need to keep keep in the back of their mind is, you know, they shouldn't anticipate, oh, well, I'm going to only have a 10 or 12% effective tax rate in retirement because nobody knows what their tax rate is going to be, and again, we're assuming that taxes will be going up as far as the eye can see because of the deficits, because of the national debt that we have. I think maybe turning this myth around and turning it into a question is something that we at Davidson Capital Management do time and again when we're meeting with prospective clients, and they ask this question, well, what do you think the portfolio can produce an income in retirement. They may maybe the, the maybe you don't know exactly what you think you will need, but maybe if you had an estimate of what the what your portfolio might produce if you were to retire right now or if you were to retire say 10 years from now at a certain rate of return based on the portfolio nest egg that you have right now and then apply our maximum withdrawal rate here that we have at our firm of 7% a year and say, do you think this number will be enough money for you to retire on uh, when you reach retirement years? Let's say that the, the, that they bring a portfolio of a certain size, and we, and we estimate that it will grow at 7 to 8% a year for another 10 years, and the number we start off with is a $1 million. We'll just round it off. Well, at our maximum rate of withdrawal, that's $70,000 a year, 7% of a million dollars. So is is 70000 do you think $70,000 a year based on a $1 million portfolio will be enough to keep your lifestyle where it is right now? If we find that there's that the the client is spending $140,000 a year on their lifestyle, then $70,000 in retirement, we're not even taking into account any social security of course. 
might not be enough to support their current lifestyle. So now we now we got to now we got to look at okay, are we going to start saving more now to increase that nest egg size so that we can get a little closer to uh, to that target uh, income, or do we need to think about uh, lowering living expenses, lowering 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 living expenses, lowering expectations uh, for income in retirement? All three. Well, I, I, think, I think one thing that a lot of retirees can get or pre-retirees can get in trouble is they go in with expectations that, well, my portfolio needs to be designed to where I'm, I'm outperforming the S&P 500 each and every year. And if you're creating a financial plan that takes that scenario in, 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 into effect, that is extremely, extremely dangerous. And by saying that, I need to have my portfolio outperforming the S&P each and every year. It's unrealistic. It's very unrealistic. And the one, one of the big problems that pre-retirees have going into maybe a professional asset manager relationship is they have unrealistic expectations. And what they need to do is they need to establish a goal, a plan. You know, my goal for this money is to grow 8% per year. Like you said, Jeff, let's sit down and work out a plan. And what are your goals? And say, okay, if you only need to earn 7 maybe 8% annualized over, you know, after all fees and expenses for a lengthy period of time, let's say the next 10 or 15 years, to have a comfortable retirement, then that's really what you should focus on and how you should position your portfolio and allocate it. But if you're the type of investor that's like, i got to beat the S&P each and every year, you're setting yourself up for disappointment and failure because it is next to impossible to do. When we come back from the break, I want to take a different approach. That's that's one type of client that we see uh, here at Davidson Capital, but there's also another type I want to talk about when we come back. Okay, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the Money Wise program, you can send our emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So we're focusing on the second hour of this weekend's program, the 10 myths of retirement planning. We're actually still working on myth number one, uh, that myth again. Uh, you will not need as much money during retirement as you do right now. And so we were talking before we went to break about setting goals, and having appropriate goals in place and appropriate expectations in place with your nest egg as you're going into retirement. And, Jeff, I know you wanted to add a little bit to that. Well, that is that is one. We see this that this type of scenario with some prospective clients that are looking for maximum performance. They're, they're, they're very much focused on performance, and we understand that. But I think another type of client that we that we're seeing and maybe this is an offshoot of of the, of the new target date funds that have been out here for about the last 10 years and that's this assumption that as i get closer and closer to retirement i need to have more and more of my money in in bond investments in fixed income investments and less and less in stock because i need to be taking less risk and so by having more money in fixed income well that would be traditionally saying well i'm taking less risk well that's all fine and good 
in a normal interest rate environment, and I use that in quotations, is, but this is not a normal interest Definitely rate Definitely not normal. And we have not had a normal interest rate environment for a very long time. And it appears that we may not have a normal interest rate environment for a number of years into the future. So <clears throat> having a asset allocation strategy that as I'm approaching retirement, I need to have less than what we would recommend an, uh, an allocation in stocks in the current rate environment and more of an allocation to bonds, but yet still have a uh, expected rate of return of 8% is not realistic. Mm-hmm. It's not realistic at all. And so m- maybe the two tie together is about having realistic expectations and understanding that in order to deliver those expectations, you have to have a certain ratio of stocks to bonds based on the existing current interest rate environment. Yes, Dave? Well, just say we were looking at a traditional balanced account, which in the old days would be 60% stock, 40% bond. Well, if you're at a 10% return in stocks, that means you're going to get 6% from your stock side of the portfolio. The problem is the 40% that would be sitting in bonds with a 10-year bond, you know, slightly, you know, less than three, you're you're not getting up to the 7%, which we have seen is a safe withdrawal rate going back our 25 years. But it's because of the bond component. The bond component right now is changing the math on what people need for retirement. But I don't think the retirees are picking up on that fact, Dad. I, I don't think they are. And when you're talking about target date funds putting more money into bonds as people approach retirement, what is the most dangerous asset class out there right now? It is bonds. Fixed income. Because we don't know very how few the people Fed, say it. Very, very few people would say that. No, I, Nobody would say that. I don't think other than people that run bonds like us. We either know, than us. Either we, than us. We know, we know that it's dangerous. You get the Bill Gross's of the world that come out and say it's a new normal. They don't want to come out and say it's a new bubble. They don't want to say the bubble word connected with bonds. So are we moving on to myth number two? Myth number two. Myth number two, my retirement years won't last that long. The fact is today's today individuals in their 50s and 60s, of course, are generally healthier than previous generations. So if you're 65 years old right now, your life expectancy is approximately 21 years. And... With a life expectancy of 21 years means that you have a 50% chance of dying by year 21 and a 50% chance of living longer. So if you're 65 right now, you have a 50-50 chance of, of living past 86 years old. And so that, again, goes along with creating that plan and having your goals and realizing, is my nest egg sufficient enough to sustain me till I'm 86 or till I'm 95. And if you and have nobody a, knows. And if you have a 7% rate of withdrawal in your portfolio and you've got a 100% fixed income earning you 2%, you're not going to get there. It's not it may not last 21 years. You know, as I always as I say to prospective clients, if we all knew when the last day on this earth would be for each one of us, man, retirement planning would be so much easier, but unfortunately, and I guess fortunately, we don't know when that day is going to be. Myth number three, you can afford to start planning for your retirement a few years before your retirement date. 
In fact, it is never too soon to begin planning for retirement. Time is one of the most powerful tools in the accumulation of wealth. The sooner you start to accumulate assets and plan for your retirement years, the better, the less you will need to set aside each year in order to achieve the same objective. Now, I've talked about this over and over and over again for a number of years using the example of someone that was just fresh out of college, that just graduated, just got their diploma, and they get their first job, and if they had a, if they, this 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 one million dollar goal to have in your in your retirement years, you start off your retirement with a one one million dollar nest egg. If you started saving when you were twenty one, twenty two years old, and you save for forty years to get to sixty two, the you would have to save what amounts to about a, skipping lunch every day. Brown bagging out. it. By brown. brown bagging it going to work. About about $8 a day. It's like $250 a month. If you save that amount of money at 22 years old and you never change it, you would, accum- and you would accumulate about a million dollars at an 8% compounded rate of return. You know what our listeners can do? They can just go into Google and Google the term time value of money and read the explanation. I mean, it's very, very simple. And, and again, if you're someone who's in their 40s, maybe in their early 50s, and you haven't started saving for retirement, I mean, this is when you need to buckle down and start putting the pedal to the metal uh, to, to try to save as much as possible. It's never too late. As we've always said on the radio show, pay yourself first. But this myth number three rolls right into myth number four for those individuals that have failed to plan for their retirement, and that myth number four is that Social Security will provide enough income for my retirement years. Bottom line, Social Security accounts for approximately 38% of the average retirement of the average retiree's income. So, uh, you know, you're you're talking, you know, 62% that still needs to be made up. And 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 again, to be very blunt. If you're relying on the federal government to take care of you in retirement, again, you are setting yourself up for failure. We all know the Social Security system is broken. It needs a substantial overhaul. Um, The fact that Social Security benefits with cost of living adjustments, or COLA for short, have become smaller and smaller and smaller over the years. if you're one of those individuals that's just relying on Social Security to take care of you, again, you're planning for failure in your retirement years and possibly working to the day that you die. You have to start planning and you have to start putting away. You know, if you follow myth number three, then you're going to wind up falling into the trap of myth number four. So myth number five, I have my pension plan to provide for my retirement income and will not need any additional savings. Boy, this is extremely, extremely dangerous to think that a traditional pension or defined benefit plan is going to take care of you throughout the rest of your retirement years. And, and again, as, as we all know, uh, with the invention of the 401K through the Tax Reform Act of 1978, this is where corporate America has been going. They've been shifting away from the defined benefit plan. So there might only be a handful of listeners of this weekend's program that have the luxury of having a defined benefit plan. But we have always recommended 
at Davidson Capital Management that if you have the ability to take a cash lump sum distribution from your pension, and the and the way that you can do that is, first off, your pension has to have over an 80% uh, funding rate by the corporation to take a 100% lump sum, and then if it has a 60 to 80% funded rate from the corporation, you can take a partial lump sum distribution, and then any pension that's less than 60% funded, you're going to have to take the pension payment. And I know, you know, one particular organization here in town that falls in that category of having an underfunded pension. But, you know, the one thing that they don't tell you when they give you the options that you can select at time of retirement, whether to take a lump sum or to take the annuity payments from your pension, is that these pension payments are not adjusted for inflation. So maybe that fifteen hundred so that fifteen hundred dollars that you started receiving in your pension on month one and year one is going to be buying a heck of a lot less goods and services ten years from now. And I think that's one area that retirees forget. That monetary inflation is eroding your purchasing power and once you start taking that pension payment, there's no going back. You're done. You're locked out. That's what you're going to be getting for the rest of your life. And it's not adjusted for inflation, so each and every month that goes by, you're going to be able to buy a little less goods and services. So you need to keep that in the back of your mind, and that's one main reason, one huge reason why we recommend to take a lump sum distribution, if you can, from your traditional pension. With that, we're coming to the bottom of the hour break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after the news. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So we've been talking this hour about the 10 myths the ten myths of retirement planning. Um, we've gotten to myth, and we came to the bottom of the hour break. We're on myth number five, uh, which was I have my pension plan to provide for my retirement income and will not need any additional savings. And as we went to break, was talking about what we recommend to prospective clients at Davidson Capital Management when you can take the lump sum distribution from your pension to do that, for one, so you now have full, complete control of those assets. Also, so you can put those assets to work for you in an allocation model that can provide you with growth and something that's going to be appropriate for you to help make that money last your entire uh, lifespan in retirement, but also to help combat, combat monetary inflation. Because, again, that's one thing that the pension provider is not going to tell you at a pre-retirement meeting is that once you annuitize that pension and start taking that monthly check, that's the check that you're going to continue to receive. It's not going to be adjusted for inflation. And so that $1,500, as an example, that you start receiving each and every month will buy less goods and services as every month goes by. So imagine, and think of it very easily, well, $1,500 20 years ago buy the same amount of goods and service as it does today? No, because of monetary inflation. That is the one thing that is not discussed enough with pre-retirees. It's one aspect 
uh, of the market that that individuals don't think about a lot and why I've always been a big advocate that every brokerage statement across this country should have a notation of what monetary inflation was for that reporting period so they realize, oh, I did lose a little bit of value in my CD because of monetary inflation or I lost value of my money sitting in cash in the bank vault because of monetary inflation. It, it affects pensions the exact same way. So myth number six, Medicare will take care of my health insurance. And I'm glad that this is on the list of myths because this is a conversation I have when I go through my financial road mapping exercises with clients. When we work with our clients that are working towards that retirement, I don't want to say retirement goal line. I would say retirement is the 50-yard line. So as they're working to the 50-yard line of the field to go into retirement, when I start, when I have our clients work on their monthly budgets, I always want them to put in some type of figure for supplemental insurance to Medicare. I always tell our clients that do not rely 100% on Medicare. And you know the bottom line is, is that Medicare pays less than a half of a typical retiree's medical bills, and that you have to have a supplemental plan. And Dad, I mean you're absolutely you're an absolute authority on this. No, no, because, no, that's you're absolutely correct, Kyle. And so I always want to build into a retirement budget, and this is again an exercise for any pre-retiree that's working on their monthly budget to include. What do you pay? Around four uh, or five hundred dollars a month? It's getting more and more expensive. It is okay. So okay. your supplemental it's, plan is getting more yes. and more expensive. So I would say, and we've already reduced one of the portions of it. So would you say for a pre-retiree to maybe work in four to maybe six hundred dollars a month for that supplemental policy, uh, or even more? Uh, actually, it's going to be it's going to start to be more than that. Really? Yes. That's what it is. Currently. Maybe six That's to eight, is. maybe six to eight hundred dollars. It's uh, it's getting there. It's getting there. So the bottom line is, is that well, the problem is at this point in time because of Obamacare, we we don't totally know the effects yet. You know, th- this has not got through the system. And the other thing that doesn't come out in this that they won't tell you is you're not going to see all the same health professionals you saw before. Not every doctor wants Medicare patients. That's true. And so. There's instances where your your specialists are going to change. That's not all. That's another myth too. Is that you may <laughs> you're not, adding myth number eleven. You, you may be going <laughs> you, to San Antonio to see someone you want to see. Myth: You can keep all of your current healthcare yes. providers. Yeah, that that's not myth. even that's your not, primary care. That's positions. not true on Medicare, much less Obamacare. So anyone working out a monthly budget pre-retiree, they need to figure in. A health insurance cost, even if you're going into Medicare because you're going to have to have that supplemental policy. Uh, myth number seven, all my assets are in safe vehicles for long-term accumulation and do not need to be watched closely. What the heck are I mean, safe vehicles for long-term accumulation? What do, what do they mean is, by that? There is none. Well, I, I know an annuity salesman would say this annuity, yes. this indexed annuity, this variable annuity, that's that's safe. It's quote-unquote guaranteed. That talk should have ended Hardy in 08 or 09. I mean, they, they might be talking about certificates of deposit yes. or government bonds. Yes. But those safe that's vehicles it. for long-term accumulation aren't accumulating a whole lot. I was about in, to say. In, they, in today's interest rates. They need to define what is accumulation. <laughs> That's a very loose term Something right there. Something less than 1% is not accumulating to me. I mean, I mean the, the, the bottom line, anyone 
going into retirement with, oh, I've got everything in CDs, I've got everything in my money market account, I've got everything in fixed income, I'm safe, I can go on my trips, on my vacations, I can go play with the grandkids and the family, I don't have to think about it, don't have to worry about it. If you don't work with an investment professional who has discretionary control and is a registered investment advisor to manage those assets for you, then you're the portfolio manager. and you Well, there is a portfolio manager. Whether you hire one or not, you've hired yourself. That's right. Yeah, that, that means that you're the portfolio manager and you cannot fall asleep behind the wheel and following this methodology of, oh, I'm safe, I don't need to watch it closely, again, setting yourself up for failure. This is why we've always used the Money Wise program to educate and to enlighten pre-retirees and retirees that you always have to be vigilant in your portfolio, whether you're doing it yourself or whether you're working with an investment professional, it's something that has to be paid attention to. Well, I mean, you are the portfolio manager on your 401k plan. That's right. That That's right. If you don't have a self-directed brokerage option, and, and again, that brings up another important point, something that a lot of 401k plans don't talk about, is in-service distribution options for participants in 401ks that are age 59 and a half and older. If you're planning on working another five or six years, guess what? At 59 and a half, you have the ability to hire an investment professional, roll your 401k assets out into a self-directed IRA that you can now get professionally managed. And for someone who's amassed 500, 600, 800, a million dollars in their 401k and they don't feel comfortable with what they're doing in their own account, this is when you might want to start looking at your options as you're continuing to work and participating in the 401k for looking at a self-directed, uh, either a self-directed or an in-service distribution option in the 401k. Um, so myth number eight, I can always use the equity in my home to add to my retirement income. Well, this might have been a thought pattern prior to the housing collapse back from 2006 and 2007, and with home values just starting to come back well, and revive. You know, they're bubbling up in here. There's no question about that. They, they are, depending upon what part of the country you live in. Um, but again, as we've always educated and always talked about here on the Money Wise program, is that you should view your house as where you live. Do not view it as an investment. If you have your house paid off, yeah, you have equity built into it. It's kind of a break glass in case of emergency type thing. But if you're developing a financial plan in retirement that revolves around taking a reverse mortgage out or taking a home equity line of credit out and, and living off of the equity bills into your house, again, you're planning and setting yourself up for failure. And again, with the financial crisis back in 08, which again, housing market had a lot to lend itself to, to that financial crisis, there's a lot of folks that still could be underwater, have zero or very little home equity. Uh, so we always say don't look at your house as a piggy bank. Look at your house as where you live. And if you have equity built into it, fantastic. But don't include it in a financial plan that, hey, this is a register that I'm going to be able to ring if I need to. Anything else you wanted to add? Myth number nine. If need be, my family can always help me out. This is my plan. <laughs> 
Well, that's myth number nine. Yeah, right? that, that's myth. That's myth it's like number myth nine. Number one. Yeah, myth number nine. And the fact is that many people use this as an excuse for dele- delaying retirement planning, but in reality, no one wants to rely on other family members to help them out financially to fund their retirement years. And if anything, these are the years when you want true financial independence and do not want to feel as if you are a burden on your family. Uh, There must be some very interesting Thanksgivings out there. I mean, the the fact that this many people could be getting along, I thought it would be be the last people that you'd want to rely on would be family members. Well, I I mean, and unfortunately, again, if – if you're the type of investor or the lack thereof, not investing, not planning, you know, believing in a lot of these myths that we've already discussed, then you're going to wind up falling into the category where you're going to be looking to your children or looking to other family members to take care of you in retirement and, again, becoming a burden on them, and, and and I would think that that's, that's not a conversation that any parent wants to have with their child, saying, well, hey, Sally, hey, you know, I'm going to be moving in with you now. I hope you have an uh, yeah, extra room I, in your house. Yeah, I'm going to be, because I did such a poor job planning for retirement, now I'm going to come live with you. How, what do you think about that? Or, or then the parents become a travel agent for guilt trips and say, well, <laughs> I paid for your college. I did I all this you. for you. I raised you. You owe me this. I would recommend try not to be one of those parents that's a you-owe-me-this kind of parent. You have to do the planning yourself and prepare for your retirement. Well, we're going to take our last commercial break. When we come back, we'll be wrapping up the 10 myths of retirement planning. And we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. You Money Wise guys will be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So we spent the last hour of this weekend's MoneyWise program going through the 10 myths of retirement planning, and we finally arrived at myth number 10. And that myth is money is everything when it comes to retirement planning. Uh, now, money is important, But it isn't everything because, again, you could have $4 million nest egg saved up, but you're spending $400,000 a year to maintain your lifestyle. And guess what? That nest egg isn't going to last too long. And so you you could have been a fantastic saver, but if you're going into retirement with a massive amount of debt, consumer debt, you know, huge house payment, a bunch of car payments, a lot of toys, a whole high monthly expenses, and and you're leading this very, very extravagant lifestyle. Doesn't matter how much you, you you've saved because you have to pay attention to what you're spending. Yeah, it's about creating a proper balance. And, and, it's, well, and it's pretty rare that we see folks that have accumulated tr- large nest eggs. But but also have been have really big spending habits. Usually it's 
their nest egg is moderate to maybe a little below average, but they have big spending habits. Well, well what I see also is we'll still see people that save quite a bit of money, and then they get in retirement, and they're way too frugal. They're so afraid they're going to outlive their money, they won't even... Enjoy, yeah. enjoy some of the fruits of their labor. I mean, I see well, this it, more. It, it's 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 about a happy medium, a happy balance. But I think that it goes back to your point: is that retirement planning has to stay flexible. You have to be malleable because life can change in the blink of an eye. Markets change each and every day. Allocations can adjust. You have to be flexible. This is why we're such humongous advocates against, again, let me repeat, against annuities of any shape or form because it takes away that flexibility right. and that malleability. We're, we're very much against taking, if you if you work for a corporation that offers a, a, a pension plan and you and you take the pension payment and don't take the lump sum. We're very much against taking the pension payment because you're locking yourself in to this amount of money for the rest of your life. It will be never be a penny more or a penny less. And no one knows that that's going to be enough with your other retirement income to get through retirement. So like, like Kyle said, and then we'll reiterate it again, flexibility is the key because markets, don't say the same. Life doesn't stay the same. I, I, and, to, and to me, of the ten myths, the one that 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 really I strikes a chord with strikes you strikes a chord. I would not even consider retiring without a supplemental plan to my Medicare. Do not rely on Medicare for your health costs, because that is the one guarantee. I would say you're definitely going to be using as you get older. So it's death, taxes, and increase in medical care, <laughs> increased cost of medical care. Yes. Those are the three now. It's not yeah. just death and taxes. Well, that's right. Inflation and inflation medical care. Is all, I don't know that I've ever lived in, in two years in a row that we haven't had a pos, positive inflation. We've had inflation practically every year of my life. And, the, and, and if I've been living 48, I have no reason to doubt that the next 48 are going to have inflation also. Now, despite what the government says, current interest, current inflation rates being somewhere less than two percent, I don't know anyone that uh, isn't paying more than two percent for their living expenses, and so I'm a little suspicious of how the government's computing these numbers. And you know, we've always used at least a minimum three percent uh, inflation rate, and so if if you're if you're accumulating assets into retirement. And you unfortunately have received advice or believe that as you approach those retirement years, you should have less and less money in stocks and more and more money in a in fixed income or bond investments. There isn't a bond investment out there that has a uh, that is uh, what we would consider to be investment grade that's yielding more than three percent, unless you go way, way out. Well, there's the no one yielding seven, and we're talking about in our experience, our 25 years, we've seen where you can take seven percent right. out of a balanced portfolio and still have a portfolio of the size. Still, but you what started I'm with. yeah, but what I'm saying yeah. is, is that greater than the size you, you can't even with. get a fixed income investment that we would consider investing in that's investment grade that even reaches what we believe is is at least the minimum true rate of inflation. 
No, and, and, and again, everyone's inflationary rate is different, but if you're going into retirement anticipating that your inflationary rate's going down, not with medical care costs. No. Not with medical care costs. I don't think medical, co- Medicare costs are growing at, at 3% or less a year. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, in, I think it goes college tuition, medical costs. And those the, are and probably the, and that, high single-digit rates of inflation. For for tuition, it's actually I've seen I've seen statistics it's double digits, with 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 college costs. So, you know the, the the bottom the bottom line is is that you have to prepare, you have to plan. As I've always tried to educate on this program, that if if you're listening to this show and you're six months, twelve months out from retiring. This is when you need to start getting on the horse and start interviewing investment professionals that you might be interested in working with, finding out what they have to offer, seeing how they work with their clients, find out if they're taking discretionary control and are acting as a fiduciary, as a registered investment advisor does like we do here at Davidson Capital Management, or are they only going to sell you investment products and do what's suitable for you, which does not which does not mean putting your interests in front of their own or the firm that employs them, you need to start doing that work in advance. Do not get caught behind the April. I don't know how many times I've talked about it on this show, but since we're talking about retirement planning, I always want to bring this up. You know, I've met with some folks that get caught behind the eight ball and they're scrambling to try to figure out who they're going to work with they wind up making a very hasty decision because they sat in one sales presentation said wow that sounds good they threw around the word guaranteed a lot and guaranteed this rate of return and guaranteed that and all these guarantees well i'm just going to sign on the dotted line and then they're toast their portfolio is toast and they're locked into something they've lost their flexibility they lost their flexibility and the bill of goods that was sold to them was completely false smoke and mirrors and then they wind up regretting that and then a lot of times we wind up working with these people where we're having to unwind these hasty decisions that they made and sometimes can cost them quite significantly and it can't be done overnight exactly and it can't be done overnight so you know again you have to plan you have to prepare do not get sucked in to these myths and if there's anything that we can do for you at Davidson Capital Management, you want to talk about your your financial situation, give us a call, 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And with that, we would like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. For my father, John, and my brother, Jeff, this is Kyle Davidson saying have a fantastic weekend. And to your financial health, we will talk to you next week.